This is the Disruptive Hope Podcast. Hope sees, hope engages, hope belongs, hope builds. Hope disrupts the narrative of despair, and in the tension of holding both sorrow and joy, we invite hope to redefine the lens through which we see and interact with the world. Embrace the challenge and become an agent of hope in unlikely places. Welcome to the Disruptive Hope Podcast. This is our cross-cultural leadership series where we take a deep dive into leadership topics that affect cross-cultural work with Dwayne Wehunt, founder and CEO of SOS International. Welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Hope Podcast. This is Victor. I am your host, and I am sitting across the table once again from Dwayne Wehan. How are you, sir? Good. Thank you very much. Yes, it's great excited to be here. for this combo. Yes, sir. It's great to be here with you. We're already talking on top of each other because we're so excited. It is uh it's been an incredible uh series already. Uh again, if you're listening to this for some reason, this is your first episode. I uh, I highly encourage you to go back, listen. Tell your friends, tell the leaders in your life, tell the people in your life, in your community that this is a great podcast for them to be encouraged, for them to be um, connected to a message of uh, transformation around where they live and also all over the world. I feel like we need this message in the world right now. So again, tell your friends, tell your, your neighbors, and we would love to connect with you and to keep this conversation going. And if you want to find out more about SOS International, you can find us at sosresponse.org. Today, we're going to start uh, this conversation right off the bat, talking about the power of making solutions available to all of the community that you're reaching. We are here today to discuss the reality of solutions that are uh, powerful enough to reach everyone in the community or every person that needs it. One of the huge, tremendous, very important values that we carry here at SOS International is is the concept of dignity. You know, the, the word dignity really means worthy, that we, we believe that every person has an inherited worth of uh, their basic needs. And this is kind of where we come from. Uh, right, D? Is yeah, that- absolutely. Uh, you know, I would say that anytime you go into a place where multiple at-risk children live, mm-hmm. uh, where some something is happening, some system has been set up, uh, they've been blocked out of something, and it's causing a lot of children in that place to be at risk. It's because the community has quit uh, strategizing of how to include them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you take a red light district, for example. If you were to go to a city town planning meeting, uh, and they were going to talk about the future of a city, uh, they would just leave that portion of the city out of the conversation. They're yeah. not even planned around or for. Uh, you know, you look at water issues that we we step into in cities around the world. Uh, a lot of times it's very poor. It's some kind of minority group that's being disenfranchised and water is used as power against them. And they, you know, they're blocked out uh, simply because the community is not planning of how to include them any longer. And when that happens, it puts children at risk. Wow. That is a, uh, a great way to, to explain what kind of what social oppression looks like, yeah. right? It's the, the, the idea that someone has either been, uh, you know, intentionally or just forgotten, but excluded from, uh, their basic needs. And also, I'd love to uh, encourage you for you, listener, you know, we have uh, on our website, a lot of 
really, really cool um, blogs that explain kind of the, the idea around social oppression and how that plays into water and food and uh, and community development, some of the things that are in the very core of what SOS does. If you want to, you know, read more into it, there's a lot of very interesting things there, you know. Uh, when we talk about including uh, everyone in the community as a part of the solution. And because when we talk about, you know, meeting basic needs, if a solution doesn't really cross uh, cultural boundaries, racial boundaries, uh, gender boundaries to meet the needs of the children in the community, is it really a solution that is helping the at-risk children there? Uh, you know, D, you've been uh, working in a lot of communities that have um, experienced uh, these sorts of barriers, these uh, these massive uh, things that, they're, that that we need to overcome in order to help these children in their communities. Can we uh, talk a little bit about how you have experienced and, and you know, work to tear those barriers down uh, to bring solutions to everyone? Yeah, I would say uh, one thing that you have to understand as a given is that barriers are there. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to discover what those barriers are. Of course, people who are local and in love with their community and want to see good things happen to every child in their community are integral in the process. Mm -hmm. But let's just take uh, water. So we draw water wells in different communities. And in a lot of communities that we draw water wells in, the community itself is divided by either caste or religion Mm -hmm. uh, or social status. Okay. Right. So it's not an integrated community. It's like these people live here. These people live there. Those people live here. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to provide a solution, let's say water uh, for that community, you have to partner with somebody on a local level. And when I say partner, I mean that water well has to be drilled on somebody's land. You're not going to go in and purchase a piece of property to drill a water well as a solution. A lot of times when we drill a water well, we have to have some kind of electrical hookup uh, for a submersible pump to get the water well deep enough so that it's clean water so that we can have multiple distribution points Mm -hmm. uh, and not just one hand pump because sometimes that creates another barrier, another problem. So we have to get an agreement from whoever we partner with in that kind of a project Mm -hmm. that the water will be for everybody in the community, that they won't block somebody out. Because one thing that we've discovered in in places where there is a lack of a resource, Mm -hmm. the resource is power. So, I I mean, I've seen political groups in places where water is a shortage run on, we're the water party, literally a water party. And we will bring water to everybody uh, if you vote for us, because water is power. Uh, And so you have to make sure that the resource gets partnered in the right place, Mm -hmm. or you reinforce the barrier that's already in the community that keeps children at risk. So it, it's it's just important that you understand those barriers and how to how to break them. Otherwise, it doesn't become a solution for everybody. I, I give you another example. There's a country that we work in, and they passed a law, uh, and it was a good law, and it was for farmers, and it mm-hmm. was that, you know, the that the the government was going to subsidize farmers, and they were going to pay for their crops, okay. uh, whether they could sell it on the world market or not, and. You know, that's a that's a good thing uh, mm-hmm. during certain times because local farmers, small farmers, even in this country, uh, they're going extinct. I mean, and their children are at risk in, in rural communities. Mm-hmm. So what happened with this law is government officials went and bought all the land up. Wow. They hired the farmers at a less than living wage to work for them. 
and then bought the crops for them from themselves with government money and left none of the crops in the community and children were dying literally dying of wow. starvation uh, and it was a barrier right so this is how social oppression works mm-hmm. uh, it's when somebody who has a resource and they use it as power mm. to manipulate other people into doing what you want them to do wow that is uh that's an incredible story and um it just it, i guess it's something that maybe for us living in the western world or may may not be aware of some of the some of those realities you know we have access to energy right you flip the switch in your house and it goes on you turn on the faucet in your kitchen and water comes out and that's not the reality for a lot of people yeah it's and not to think that that is actually being leveraged to uh to uh gain control over these people and i mean it, it plays into the uh the solutions that we're bringing right and it, it, i think your, your picture is very interesting because when you talk about drilling water wells there's usually what people will think is you're going to drill the water well down and that's it. And it's right there. But the solutions, they, they play in different ways, right? There's different, you know, different scenarios will bring different ways. And it's one of the commitments that we've had is to be intentional about figuring out what is actually the best solution that will bring the best to the most amount of people, right? Right. We're not drilling water wells because we're trying to raise money. Yeah, we're trolling water wells because children are at risk and they're dying of waterborne illness at a staggering rate. So, you know, to to really bring a solution in a community, you have to understand the variables and the needs in that community. And then you have to make your project Mm -hmm. fit those needs. Mm -hmm. So like we've done projects where we'll go into a, a little community and, you know, they don't have any water and we'll drop a well down, put a submersible electric and run piping so that every home in the community can get water in front of it when the pump is on. Wow. Uh, uh, we also do projects where the groundwater has something in it that is not uh, drinkable. Uh, when you drill the water well and we'll build a tower, we'll put it an RO filter and we'll drop the water through the RO filter and mm-hmm. kills, you know, it sterilizes what it does uh, so that bacteria can't reproduce inside of the human body. And it becomes a solution for the entire community so that children get fresh water. And once again, our motivation are children at risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons why need and lack exists, poverty exists. Uh, but the, the concern that we are addressing at SOS is that it puts children at risk. Mm-hmm. And until you provide a solution that reaches every kid, you haven't really solved the problem. And these, these solutions, they ultimately elevate the community right? They, they elevate the infrastructure of the community as well. And it's a great thing that we do where, you know, we've talked about this before in uh, in a previous episode where we are partnering with, with local people. We're partnering with um, what we call the local care networks. And that does empower the community and it does uh, start to um, uh, bring a transformational uh, aspect to their uh you know, to their situation, to their, to their outcomes. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you about community development in, in this context, you know, SOS has developed what we called internally the pathway, which is a, you know, a diagnostic tool that we use to uh, understand 
and uh, and connect with uh, the, the the communities that we're looking into uh, entering and, and bringing solutions to and partnering to bring solutions to. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about the pathway and uh, kind of you know talk about the power of, of the pathway and kind of how it works? Yeah. So basically, uh, we started noticing that there were five different things at least that needed to be addressed within a community for children to be safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not all communities have all five of these things. Some do. Uh, And, you know, you need to know where to start and what to work on and how to start uh, if you're going to keep children from being at risk. So here are the five things that we call the pathway. If at-risk children are in a community, they fall somewhere within this pathway. Number Mm -hmm. one, unmet basic needs. In other words, they're just basic needs aren't being met. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's not enough food. There's not enough water. You mentioned energy. Maybe that's a problem, though we've never delved into a solution for that. But but there's some unmet basic need and it puts kids at risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is dangerous uh, external threats. Uh, so you see what's going on right now in in uh, the Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, war. It's a dangerous external threat that puts children at risk. Uh, anytime there's a, a, a move of people, like 4 million people, out of one country across borders into mm-hmm. temporary shelters, traffickers are, they are on the prowl. And there are lots of children that are being trafficked right now. Uh, You know, we had the Texas Attorney General at a meeting a couple of years ago, and he was talking about the Texas border. So many females are being trafficked across that border right now. And so that's an external threat, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Could be famine, uh, which is something that we could see more of in the days to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, But famine, anything that happens, a natural disaster, a hurricane, uh, we saw what happened uh, in New Orleans. You know, it puts people at risk. It puts children at risk. Mm-hmm. Anytime this external threat hits the community, uh, another is a lack of education. You know, a lot of places, children just can't go to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, we all know here in, in the United States, and, you know, I believe that education is one of the ways that you lift out of poverty. Yeah. Uh, the more you learn, the better off you are. Uh, and if you can't be educated or you get a poor education uh, or no education, it it definitely puts you on a pathway that leads to being at risk for a child. Another one is isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at trafficking in the U.S., a lot of times isolation is a big cause of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, children are put at risk when they're left alone left uh, the internet, you know, somehow they're isolated. Even Mm -hmm. parts of the community being isolated puts kids at risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other is just simply an underdeveloped community. Uh, There's not enough of a community uh, build. There's not enough infrastructure Mm -hmm. to keep children safe. So that could be schools or it could be uh, something as simple as boys and girl club or after school programs Mm. or, you know, uh, big brothers, big sisters. It's all these things that add support and keep kids from isolation, Mm -hmm. but it's something that has to be built within the community. And the thing we found, if we find a pocket that has a lot of at-risk children, those are the things that you look at. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I love to hear about this because these are the tools that we have, again, locally and um, internationally, these are the tools that we're leveraging to, uh, you know, identify what risks uh, the children are facing in, in, in a specific location or area that we're, uh, that we're serving. And this is where the strategy comes from. This is where our, our mindset goes after to bring sustainable 
solutions, right? Sustainable uh, solutions for those kids. So yeah, again, today we're talking about the power of making solutions available to everyone or, or uh, another way of saying it, you know, there's a place for all in the solution. When you think about that, you're talking, I, I'm, I'm usually coming from the place where um, there's a place for all in this solution. Yes, we want every person that we're serving to have access. That's our goal. That's our uh, plan, right? Is it for every person that in that community that we're serving? But there's also the other side of it, which is uh, people that are listening or people that are, uh, you know, connected to uh, uh, or exposed to a community or even in their own community when they're, uh, you know, become aware of issues. Usually there's a there's an overwhelming sense of what can I do or what should I do? Or, right? And um, what we want to do here is just talk with people about, uh, you know, going from awareness to action. You know, we can talk uh, about so many different things that that people will uh, become aware of. The key is from awareness to action, right? How do we walk people through that? Do you have any stories of examples of, you know, business owners, uh, you know, people that you're in relationship with, uh, you know, that have gone from, you know, becoming aware to acting, you know, in different ways and just become part of the solution. Yes, there is a place for all of us in, in these solutions. Yeah, I mean, uh, whoever you are is important. And whatever gifting you have mm-hmm. is important. That's good. Right? But people don't feel like that. Yeah. So I have a, a friend and she's been cutting my hair since she was 17 years old. Uh, she's, I hate to say this, but she's somewhere between 40 and 50. Uh, I don't really know. And so it's been quite a few years. Yeah. And, and she runs a salon and she's a haircutter. And, you know, she she wants to know how can my gifts be used mm-hmm. uh, to help at-risk children. And with her help, we're developing a model in Central America where we'll be able to take at-risk single moms, which, by the way, she was raised by one. Uh, wow. She'll be able to take at-risk single moms uh, and we'll be able to teach them a trade that they can make a living by so that they can have a living wage and not be trafficked, uh, not, not be, you know, have to be exploited, Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to feed their own children. So that's a a simple solution. I mean, it's a simple example of Mm -hmm. how somebody is just who they are, but they can be used powerfully in helping at-risk children. We have a friend, uh, when COVID hit, uh, we pivoted locally and, you know, we, tripled the size of our warehouse that we have here. And we made a real commitment that we felt like that feeding was going to be really important during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend, uh, he owns an oil company actually, uh, but works in the distribution side and moving things around. And he stepped right up and said, Hey, you know, do you need a truck? Uh, and I said, yeah, we need a refrigerated truck so that we can move donated refrigerated products so that people can get fresh fruits and vegetables and milk and eggs mm-hmm. and those kind of things that children need uh, and not just boxes of cereal and you know canned goods. And those things are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for children, it's really important that they get vitamins and nutrients and micronutrients. So this businessman who's in logistics used his gift, saw what was needed and stepped in and donated that. Uh, and, you know, we moved eight and a half million meals around locally just this year. Uh, and we own that one truck. Now, other distribution channels are used. Yes. But but that's also an example of how he stepped up, you know. Uh, so I think I think there's a... I think there's a, a 
a thought process that happens in people's mind is, you know, that you have to have some superpower, mm-hmm. some, you know, learned charitable skill. Uh, and, and it is learned, by the way. Uh, but, but God can use you and your gifting to help at-risk children around yeah. you. Yeah. No, I love that. It is, it is a learned skill. I love that. It is um, empathy, you know, looking beyond your, uh, you know, your comfort zone or your discomfort zone is it is a learned skill and it will take you, uh, you know, eventually it will take you to action. And it's great. Again, that's that's our ultimate goal here uh, uh, in this episode is to talk about our solutions have a place for everyone. And there is a place for everyone to help with the solution. There is. And, you know, there's also a place for for business people that have a gift and they're able to to create profit. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to donate that profit to help at-risk children in your community, that's a gift. That's a skill yeah. uh, that that not everybody possesses. A lot of people don't. So, you know, moving from that heart of feeling empathy for kids mm-hmm. to action with your donation is also important to what we do every day. Yeah, that's incredible. Our In our heart today is to encourage you, you know, for, for you that is listening today, that uh, who you are, uh, what you do can play a part in the solution for at-risk children just around you. And, and then from there into, you know, other places in, in the world, you know, we hear stories of hope. We believe in, in these things. We, we have seen transformational situations happen, just like the story of the hairdresser that, that Dwayne just told us. It's, it is about who you are and putting yourself in position just, just to help, just to be there for somebody else. Uh, again, that's that's what we want to do. That's our heart. That's our hope. This is the Disruptive Hope Podcast, and we are in our cross-cultural series. Dwayne, thank you so much for uh, this conversation, and we hope to see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Hope Podcast. We would love to connect with you. Subscribe and follow us on social media for the latest Disruptive Hope content. For more information about SOS International, please visit sosresponds.org.